song is 47 years old and gosh doesn't it sound like it nothing says roller skating through the deep 70s of glitter disco than dancing queen and on this day in 76 ever released dancing queen as the lead single from their fourth album arrival a global sugar soaked hit including in the u.s where it became ever's only number one there um it's quite the song. I don't know whether or not you are an ABBA fan, Georgie, but it's... my go-to um, karaoke song, Lance. Yeah. Is it really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it's aged incredibly well. Yeah. It's... Well, <laughs> it's it timeless. Just, it, it is timeless in a very 70s way, Dean Hall, isn't it? Definitely. I mean, I'm, I'm not a 70s kid, so yeah. not a huge fan of ABBA, but I mean... <laughs> Everybody knows that song, right? Everybody knows. Who does, hasn't that's been right. drunk on the wedding dance floor and heard this song? Uh, who who <laughs> hasn't uh, had a boogie to uh, the fantastic uh, disco hit that is yeah, Dancing Queen? Anyway, 47 years, 47 years old at today. Um, thanks for the feedback, too, by the way. Let's uh, read a couple out. By the way, the policy is for a $6,000 grant. Not a loan. Thanks, Dave and Whangarei. And uh, then an interest-free loan up to 30K, I think. Sharing power is doable, says Dave. We put in an off-grid system in 98. No problem. Huge advances since then. Much cheaper. And uh, a bit of response regarding um, participation in uh, sport uh, with girls and young women. If we want to encourage more people to watch female sports... We could think about so many decisions made. Girls football is played on Sundays. That would likely affect some participation. In rugby, the women's premier teams play at 11 when the men's premier games are at 3. The punters, old boys and under 85s play their games between the premier women's and men's games. We could encourage more to watch women's sport if we consider when the time uh, is played in the game. Now, to this, um, as it stands... Construction and demolition projects are responsible for half of the rubbish we send to landfill. Perhaps the biggest and most blatant defence is that white plastic shrink wrap that we see encasing new builds. Now, obviously, it's necessary to protect open buildings while they undergo construction, but is there really no better way than covering it in screeds of harmful plastic? A recent Auckland Council project made us one of these... Uh, to tell us about it uh, is Mark Roberts, Senior Waste Planning Specialist at Auckland Council. Kia ora, Mark. Oh, kia ora, Wallace. I'm pleased we're talking about this because we talked about this a few years ago. Actually, it was um, a former panellist called Michelle Bogue, and she brought this up in her I've Been Thinking, that one of the biggest waste uh, wastages is this shrink wrap and was uniformly laughed at on the text machine but I've been thinking about it, and she may have a point. There is so much shrink wrap these days there, Mark. Uh, yes, there is a lot, Wallace. Um, certainly uh, plastics in general make up a fair percentage of uh, the materials that go into um, the waste from construction sites. Um, it w- shrink wrap wouldn't be the biggest material that would easily be timber, by and large. Yeah. Um, but um, shrink wrap is something which is kind of in your face. It's sort of there. It's big and white and um, very visible to people. And uh, we've kind of got a lot more focus around uh, the issues that go with um, soft plastics in general. And I guess it just catches um, people's eye and people's attention. Well, if I can, if I think of the parcels that we get through, you know, it may be a 
it may be a CD, it may be something even as large as a an airbed, and it's wrapped in plastic. Then look at that building, one building of thousands. Uh, that's a CD times ten thousand. Yeah, that's absolutely true, and uh, that we think that plastics of that. Of a, of a general nature on buildings are probably around about between 5 and 10% of uh, the waste that goes into construction sites. So um, it's not, it's certainly not insignificant, but there are other issues. Um, plastics sit amongst a range of problematic materials in the building industry. Okay. Georgie? Um, I mean, we've we've spent quite a lot of, of, of of public time in, in recent years talking about, you know, whether it was the old plastic shopping bags or the single-use cups or straws. And I get that these are hearts and minds things, but then products like the one that we're currently talking about often seem to fly under the radar. Um, there's got to be some other use for it, right? Like I was reading an article a few months ago about a plant operating just outside of Hamilton, I think, taking like coffee cups and Tetra Pak cartons and even old courier satchels made of plastic and turning them into new building boards. So, I mean, ha- have, has the council looked at, you know, sort of alternative um, uses for, for these when they're at their end of their life in the in the building sector? Uh, yes, yeah, certainly um, products like SaveBoard have... Um taken a, a place in capturing that material and reusing it and putting it into mm. something um, useful like uh, wall wallboard type products. Uh, but in terms of shrink wrap, there kind of tends to be so much of it on <laughs> any one building at any time, it's kind of really hard to deal with that volume. Mm. And uh, the product generally contains a, fly, a fire retardant as well, which often doesn't help. Right. Okay. Yeah, Dean. Uh, I know I actually went to a conference where they were explaining about, I think it was seaweed being used to make uh, various different kinds of plastics and stuff like that, or plastic-like polymers. Um, So I actually think there's some cool market opportunities uh, to look at non-oil-based solutions to a lot of these things. And uh, that suits us pretty well as New Zealand. So I actually think we're going to see a lot more continued innovation there. And in some cases, what they can end up with can actually be a lot cheaper, Um, even though, you know, plastic from oil is super cheap as it is. Uh, It was pretty fascinating to see some of the developments that are coming along. Yeah, Mark? Yeah, look, I think you're absolutely right. We need to get innovation in there and um, chuck our minds and and hearts into looking at some of the alternatives. What I would say, though, is that uh, we do need new innovative products coming along, but when those are introduced to the market, we need to have the processes that sit behind it that uh, will help people understand how to use it in a way that doesn't uh, create scrap, um, specify it in a way that doesn't over... um, over quantity survey it and uh, a way that can take scrap material back to be used in the process again mm. and then what happens at the end of the life of that of that product once it's in a building in you know 50 60 80 years when the building comes down can that material be retrieved and put back into a circular use that's the key, isn't it, Mark? And actually a bit of interest on the uh, shrimp rack because everybody will recognise, you know, going past in the car or on the bus or just walking past in there. Oh, there you go. That's a building and it's shrimp wrapped all around. It looks like one of those. Who's that um, famous artist, contemporary artist, Christo Jaroshev, who wraps famous um, things like the Eiffel Tower, not the Eiffel Tower, um, uh, 
various bridges and infrastructure pieces. But here's one. Beth says, Mark, we built our house in 1996 and didn't need the shrink wrap. Someone has decided it is necessary and is making lots of money. When it first appeared, I thought it was only used if asbestos was present. Um, but Mark, am I correct in saying that you decided not to use shrink, ha- shrink wrap on your place? Yeah, Beth, absolutely right. Um, it is possible in many applications to not use shrink wrap. Uh, when we were developing the Waioria Community Recycling Centre in Western Springs, uh, it was a, a project which was being done by our team in Waste Solutions here at Auckland Council, and we just really felt we can't contribute to that problem. We can't have our capital works projects being part of producing that single-use plastic, particularly when we're developing a recycling centre. Uh, so our team of um, project, our project team hunted around and um, found um, the Kedar product, which is, uh, it, it kind of looks like shrink wrap, and many people sort of mistook it for shrink wrap on the, when it was on the building a few weeks ago, um, but it's actually um, sits in a track, kind of, um, it's a little bit like a roller blind in a track, really, and it kind of um, rolls out, rolls back, and it can be used um, Oh, wow. Times. How interesting. Uh, and by the way, that uh, Waiorea Community Recycling Centre, uh, does that open today? Uh, that opened last week, and it's open last week, now. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> hey, nice one. There. <laughs> Absolutely. Nice one, Mark. Thanks for being with us. That's uh, Mark Roberts there, Senior Waste Planning Specialist at Auckland uh, Council. And yes, that Waiorea Community Recycling Centre that is open now uh, as a flagship community resource recovery and learning hub for the inner city suburbs of Auckland. If you live in Tomaki Makoto, here's one. I was in Sweden a couple of years ago and they had reusable timber on scaffolding surrounding a large commercial building instead of shrink wrap. Uh, Vicky in Christchurch says the entire historic main building uh, of Christchurch Boys High is currently shrink wrapped says Vicky. So yeah, very good. Thanks for your responses on that. It is 15 to 5, the panel on RNZ National. This afternoon we are with uh, Dean Hall and Georgie Stiliano. And to this completely different topic, let me ask you something. Does this sound like Shakespeare to you? Does it have a feeling of Chaucer about it? So it's gonna be Yes, well, Ghent University, Belgium, has launched a new course tackling classic works of literature through the lens of Taylor Swift. Lecturer Ali McLaughlin told The Guardian, Shakespeare in some way is actually addressing a lot of the same questions as Taylor Swift is today, which seems crazy, but he is. Is this utterly ridiculous or using contemporary music as a vessel to explore new ways of critical thinking. Before we get to our guest, show go on the panel on this. Uh, Swifties, any of you? Dean? Um, so no. I, I All right, Georgie? I say I hate you. We break up. You call me. I love you. <laughs> that is Shakespeare. That's, it's poetry that, in motion, Wallace. Uh, sorry to interrupt, Dean. Uh, are you a... Uh, <laughs> okay, Dean Hall. Uh, well, I mean, I, 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 I'm, I'm a, I'm a huge Taylor Swift fan, so I feel like oh, I'm a bit biased. Are you really? 
Yeah. But I'm also a, I'm also a Shakespeare fan, and I think you've got to contextualize it in the environment. You know, you've got you've got to look at at Shakespeare in in his environment, and you've got to look at um, Taylor Swift in her environment. Okay, well, good thoughts. And let's go to the expert, Associate Professor Justin Dehart, who is a contemporary music lecturer at Canterbury University. He's originally from California. He's a Grammy-nominated performer of contemporary musical styles from classical to pop, from world to electronic. Uh, Justin, kia ora. Good to have you on the panel. Kia ora. All Thanks right. for having me. Yeah, so you heard what uh, Georgie and Dean say there. <laughs> Dean is a massive Taylor Swift fan, so he's got the goods. Um, yeah. Firstly, when you talk pop phenomenon, it is hard to escape Taylor Swift, isn't it? It is. It is hard, for better or worse. Yeah. And, and, uh, but but she's relevant, isn't she? This is what gets people interested and in, in, in think, you know, young students to take a class seriously to begin with, perhaps. Yes, well, and it's not for the first time, Justin, because uh, back in, I guess, back in my day, at Otago, I can recall open lectures on Madonna in the early 90s. So um, it's we've been here before, haven't we? Yeah, it's been an emergency, uh, emergent area of, of critical studies probably for the last 50 years, as you, as, you, uh, as you point out, yeah. So can pop music open a way into the world? Can it help us understanding and contextualizing modern-day issues? You know, I think it's a, I think it's a fantastic lens uh, to do just that. I mean, you can, you, can, you can talk about music, you can talk about technology, you can talk about culture that op- often brings up issues around gender, identity, race, politics. Uh, it's got so many things that you need, you know, more than a semester to, to dig into. Mm, Georgie? Well, I feel like we've been doing this type of um, evolution for a while. It's no different to West Side Story being based on, on Romeo and Juliet. Um, so I think anything that is able to, to break things down in a, in a more contemporary context or, or keep kids still reading Shakespeare, even if they get into it through Tay-Tay, then <laughs> <laughs> I'm all for it. you just got to like shake that. it off. Yeah, well I'm said, done. Georgie. I'm done, okay? I won't well, no more. Well said. Boom. All right, stay Mike, there, Justin. Dean? Uh, so I actually got into, really into Shakespeare with uh, uh, Baz Luhrmann's 1990-ish um, oh. Romeo uh, and Juliet. Mm. Um, and it was my English teacher at high school, uh, Miss Fitzgibbon, who actually got us to watch it. And that, that helped modernize it for me and got me to think about it and you know think about uh, a lot of taylor's swift's music is about breakups and relationships and stuff like that and actually from what i understand shakespeare's contemporary he was more known as a poet um and people were more interested in his plays that were more histories um where it was subsequent we became much more interested in the tragedies yeah justin yeah well, I think you know the, you know the, in, in the first instance, um, you need to connect with people to have any kind of impact, and so you know using vernacular uh, appealing to the to the larger masses, um, I think is smart, <laughs> and from there, you know we, we're, we're humans that are evolving slow enough to have the same kinds of issues you know and, and the kind of emotions that mm. will respond to these similar issues. Mm. Uh, so I think pop music for that reason is is 
still very powerful and relevant to get into the more critical things. It's almost comforting to know that we've sort of <laughs> we've, we've, we've always <laughs> grappled with these types of societal issues. Yeah, yeah. But there are probably some groups that you can't um, use as a critical lens on thinking. Though I mean, you couldn't use. I mean, they're one of my favourite bands, but you couldn't use Toto, could you? Uh, I had students ask me, you know, uh, about about that. You know, like about the rain in Africa and, and things like that. So. <laughs> I don't have I don't have answers to those kinds of questions. <laughs> well, that that I, I, went exactly where Wallace wanted I, it to go. I, I, I hope you I hope you did have some answers for me. Uh, as the great song, I've always wanted to know what Africa really is about, Justin, and you failed me. Um, but um, quite a, quite a response. Um, Teaching English in the 70s, I used the Beatles songs to encourage the skill of analysis. Um, uh, James in Paul Nicky Wellington, David Lawrence, who directed for the Pop-Up Globe, explains Shakespeare using The Simpsons, The, the hmm. Sopranos, and Futurama. Shakespeare was pop culture of the, 17, yeah. of the turn yep. of the 17th century. Um, and, and as this lecturer says, who was using Taylor Swift uh, in Belgium, uh, Justin, it gets people talking about what's literature huh Mm -hmm. yeah and i think you know i think a critical moment um i think there's been lots of moments i I used to teach a beatles class in california just three or all 400 students each quarter there'd be you know and um it literally was a popular class but you know and with bob dylan getting the uh, pulitzer prize i think um that was a a really significant moment as well as people thinking about lyrics a little more um you know, carefully. Then, it, it, otherwise, it just brainwashes us, right? We just we we just sing along, and we we don't understand the effects, probably. <laughs> so interesting. I'd love to chat with you more, Justin, but uh, another time. But for now, Kiara, that's uh, associate ora. professor Justin Dehart, a contemporary music lecturer. And yes, by the way, someone reminded me, uh, Kendrick Lamar became the first rapper to win the Pulitzer for his album uh, Dam. Uh, before we go on to our next final topic, uh, Dean, are you going? Have you managed to get a ticket to Taylor Swift? I haven't actually. Uh, I've got a. I've got a tickets to the Foo Fighters though. I'm very excited yeah. about that. But that'd be yeah. cool. Yeah. Finally, uh, on the panel. By the way, thank you for your company. Uh, always a pleasure to get your responses. You can email me at the panel at rnz.co.nz. You can text two one zero one. And we are on iHeart, Apple, and on Spotify. There may be no career that keeps you more tuned into the times than hairdressing. No one knows that better than Kathleen McDonald, a hairdresser from the great suburb of Mosgiel, just out of Dunedin, who's hanging up her scissors after, get this, five decades on the job. She's seen every style of braid and twist you can imagine. She's seen perms come and go, the reverse back comb of the 80s. Oh, yes, mullets, those two. She's with me now to reflect on an incredible career. Kathleen, welcome to the program. Thank you. Nice I, to have me. It's an absolute pleasure. And, and I mean, I'm from Dunedin. Dean's from Dunedin. We'd go to Mosgill, wouldn't we, Dean, for an ice cream every, you know, once a year or so? Definitely. Um, yeah. Um, you must have seen it all, Kathleen. Pretty much in that many years. You can't help but see it all. <laughs> yeah. Are there anything, after 51 years reflecting on hairdressing, is there anything that you can recall of note? One thing that sticks in your memory? Um, there's been a few things over the years, you know, um, a deer to cut a, a 
one of the guys from Speedway is here on the track, so he got a haircut in front of the crowd. Um, <laughs> like, I'm talking shaved off. Yes, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's just so many things that, as you say, have come and gone, and I've mm. seen they've come around again. So um, it's... <laughs> It's just amazing, you know, when the young ones come in today saying, oh, this is new, when it's not, it's old. <laughs> <laughs> and, you, and the other client, you know, they're right, but you just, you know, turn and roll your eyes. Um, I yeah. did see one thing that really stuck with me was um, a little bit of a tricky situation um, in what was meant to be dark blonde ended up mm. as Karatani yellow for one well-known local. <laughs> I know. Um, yeah, that was a, that was my biggest one and only. Well, what say one and only disaster? I've probably only had two. Uh, yeah, she admitted to tell me that she had put a colour in prior to coming to me, and many many years ago they were metal based dyes, and the metal reacted with the colour that I use. Ah. <laughs> oh. So sure. it, was a, it was a very unfixable situation. Oh, it was unfixable as well. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, I know. That made, it, that made it worse. Yeah, we just could not get it out. <laughs> Georgie, I mean, there are, there are really two people you trust in your community, eh? It's your GP and your hairdresser. I mean, I think yeah. you're basically everyone's therapist. Um, yeah. And I think that's an incredible social service. And I, I don't say that glibly. But also, no, totally. I mean, 50, 50 years, it's it's just incredible in itself. I know very few people who have stuck with a career for that amount of time. So I think that's really phenomenal. So well done, Kathleen. And my question is, yeah. is the Rachel still in in fashion. <laughs> well, funny you should say that. <laughs> Are we still in the Jennifer Aniston Friends heydays? For some people, yes. Excellent news. Uh, yeah, probably for the slightly older. <laughs> uh, but, yeah... Uh, they yeah, wanted it way back in the day, and now they want it again. Mm. Uh, so it's rather funny. It's coming around. I love it. <laughs> oh, Kathleen. Yeah. Dean, you'd have gone through a few hairstyles. Yep. I, I think when I first went to Otago, I was 17, and uh, I had this very tragic frosted tips hairstyle. So um, <laughs> <laughs> that's probably gone through a few iterations, I imagine. Uh, they haven't come back, Kathleen. Yeah. No, not at this stage. No. <laughs> there was a but definite no I heard there. Yeah. <laughs> um, look, um, Kathleen, uh, it's echo, Georgia, well done on a career um, uh, well lived and loved. And you can really feel that in, in the spirit you give across the country on the panel this afternoon. Um, why, why was now the time to retire? Um. Well, I've owned the business for 28 years, with, along with my business partner, Greg Inch. So, of course, we, I retired a, over a year ago, technically, and I thought, well, I don't really want to be here when I'm 70. <laughs> mm. So I thought, now's the time to sell the business, which has been purchased by a lovely couple for their daughter. Um, so they're keeping me on for a bit longer to train her. And, uh, yeah, then I can totally retire. Well, here you go. Steve says, thank you so much for giving due respect to us old hairdressers. We were psychologists. (laughs) 
therapists <laughs> and music advisors, says Steve. So oh, cheers, just, Kathleen. Yeah. On to the future. And Georgie, Dean, kia ora to you both. I'm Wallace Ciao. Chapman. See you tomorrow, 3.45. Lisa Owen and Checkpoint is next.